Exactly. classroom come on in take a seat beside me my friend hey look here come t.a charlie let's see what he got to say <coughs> oh, not. Oh, good morning not. you're watching the road to concord with professor joe bakanovic homeroom is on rumble <laughs> you just go to rumble and you search the channels for the road to concord it's one word when you find it you go ahead and you click follow it might mean you got to set up an account but it's fast it's easy it's free i did it you can do it for those technologically challenged members of the class you can also catch us on facebook twitch twitter and sometimes youtube but you that ain't gonna be today only, only i did yeah. Oh, yeah. well yeah but i set one up too but you're not the original charlie well i'm not but i do a better job <clears throat> then you can catch the podcast after the show it's uploaded to podbean iHeartRadio, and spotify just look for the road to concord you can go to the blog page that's the road to concord.com that's where you find all your show notes study notes and handouts for the class finally you can email a professor at joe at the road to concord.com he's a little slow Everybody run, there's a donut loose! He'll eventually get around to emailing you back. Phones are on today, 229-469-0335, but only for registered numbers. We only accept calls from regular known listeners. If you wish to call in, you must be a known class member that has participated in the chats on a regular basis. You may then request phone access through an email. 
If you find our classes helpful, please click the thumbs up, like, subscribe, and share it with those you think could benefit from it. And oh, by the way, thank you, classmates. We have a couple new classmates that came here because of referrals from current classmates. So we appreciate that. Hey, Charlie, did you know your donut's like a ring pop? It's got a hole in the middle. You just put it on your finger. That way you don't have to toss it in the dirt. That's true. It's worn them. <laughs> Joe is fully donated today. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Charlie. And it, he's also an acquired taste. You know, you, you have these donuts that are really Wasabi good coffee. that you like. And then there's the other donuts that, you know, kind of, you know, it's a donut, but I don't yeah, know. Anything with red in the So middle. you, you got you to gotta understand that Joe's one of those donuts. Uh, this show is listener sponsored. I don't know why anyone would, but meaning that we do not solicit business advertising because nobody would do that anyway. Um, but that also doesn't limit us in the content we provide for you. Uh, with that said, we do ask for your participation on a value for value basis. If you find our show of value to yes, you. I've been trying to get you off target then, the whole then time. You, then you provide an equivalent portion of your labor and treasure through the donut link on the Road to Concord blog page and today, the show folks. description on the on, on, on Rumble. That's where it's at. We'll allow that. And it'll be in the comments on the other streams eventually when I get to it because it's a day. And oh, by the way. Yes, it's Thursday. Because your brains are going to explode today. Not today. Not today. Hey, we all know T.A. Charlie isn't all there. Now, yeah, just stay seated. You soon realize we not might be the smartest, but we each independently form opinions based on reason and logic. We're Sometimes. Thinkers. Yeah, Let's see what the road to Concord with Professor Joe. Nobody's going to pay us to think. <laughs> so we're going to have to be free thinkers. All right, guys. <laughs> Here you go. I'm going to turn you over to Joe, and he's fully donated. So I, get ready. I tried hard to do, screw you up today, Charlie. Do, you you did good today. <laughs> do not watch this show on 1.5 today. I don't know. I not talk a good like idea. You. I could talk like the real Charlie. <laughs> hey, I told everybody we were going to talk about, you know, time and dimensions and space and all that good stuff, but not yet. Not yet. There's too much cool stuff going on on the news I got to talk about first. Yeah, man, I got to share something with you. I don't know if y'all seen this yet or not, but let's share the screen real quick. This is kind of cool. Look, this is from Not The Beat. It says, whoa, this video shows what last week's solar eclipse looked like. Light passing through the gaps and trees. Now, I can't play the video because I'll get smacked if I do that. But I can show you. We can, we can put the link up for y'all and everything, and you can watch the video there. But this is kind of really cool. And I don't know if you were uh, watching any of this, you know, the, all the stories about the solar eclipse and everything. And everybody's like, oh, solar eclipse, solar eclipse. And everybody's like, oh, look how cool it is. Ring of fire. And everybody making a big old joke about that. Y'all do realize that the sun speaks to the world, right? You know, spiritually, it's a warning. And we're all going like, oh, cool. Look at the warning in the sky. That's so pretty. I mean, they even called it a ring of fire. It's, you know, fire is what destroys the world in the end times in the Bible. Pay no attention to that. That couldn't possibly have anything to do with anything, could it? it but, you know, um, that's just one thing that's going on. Don't forget, we're all going to die from the devil comment. That's three times the size of Mount Everest. It's making its way toward Earth. Y'all seen that? We're going to show up next year about this time? Wait a minute. 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 We got, we got, 
ring of fire warning to the world about this time this year. And next year, we're going to have Devil Comet with the two horns that's going to wipe out the... Well, they say it's not going to hit us, but, you know, we'll have a comet next year at about this time, too. You know, comets are also warnings to the world in the Bible, too. You know, y'all know that, right? Yep, you do, you don't. And by the way, did you notice where that uh, full eclipse was visible at in the United States? Everybody got to see the partial eclipse, but the only people that got to see the full eclipse are all those wackos in the on the left coast. You know, it, it started up there near Oregon and Washington, and, and the tip of the north part of California near like near Sacramento, and then went across Nevada and Arizona and New Mexico, where they're playing all those lawless games with the elections and everything, and then went across San Antonio and Texas. You know where all the crazies are starting to work at in this country now. Not not counting the Northeast, but. I know that you don't think that way, but if you're biblically conspiratorially minded, this stuff makes sense because, you know, God's trying to tell all the sodomites and the people who live living in modern day Gomorrah, you know, and and all the Noah, you know, the people from the days of Noah, he's going, I'm going to come back and get you again. And everybody's going like, wow, Noah, that's a really cool ark you're building there. Ha ha Until it starts to rain. Then all of a sudden we're Bill Cosby back when he was funny. You and me, right, Lord? All the way. Yeah. Because God says, Noah, what? How long can you tread water? Ha, ha, ha. Y'all don't know that joke, do you? That's eh, because y'all too young. Oh, one other cool, crazy thing that um I, I, I was noticing I ought to gotta just share and throw in the comment section or whatever. There's this. I'll need to go see this video, man. It's a parallax. You know, that's what happens when you have two laxes instead of one. No, we're not talking about X-lax, folks. Um, actually, I don't think it's parallax, but this is a video of a glitch in the matrix where an airplane stops in midair. What? Well, I don't know. Personally, I think it's Photoshop, but uh, there are a heck of a lot of these type of videos out there recently, folks, and they can't all be explained by quote-unquote parallax. So you might want to watch that when you get a chance. I put the link up in uh, several of the pages there. I'm going to stick it up here in this one here for Rumble. Y'all can go to that. Have a good old time with this. It's a lot of fun, but uh, mind bending. And it's actually tangentially related to where we will end up going before the show is over today. So just hold on. Um, Then there's another thing. So we're warning the world that things are just going to fall apart, right? You know, uh, God's telling us, pay attention to my eclipse. It's a warning, you know, signs of signs and things in the lights in the sky are for signs. And we got comets all over the place. We got green comet earlier this year. We got a comet going to show up next year. It's a two horn devil comet. It's going to all this other stuff's going on. And everybody's just like, oh, wow, cool. Of course, now, if you were alive 2000 years ago, you'd be going, oh, my God, the world is going to end. But, you know, that's for people who understand how to read yeah, these and things. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Well, anyhow, I want to know why she's not in jail. This is from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, Rashida Tlaib whips up the mob with lies about the bombed Hamas capital and incites a capital insurrection. Why isn't she in jail? Why, 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 why haven't we gone to go arrest her like we have? I mean, come on, man. We need 50 bazillion, million trillion inquiries and congressional hearings about how she incited an insurrection just like they did with Trump. I mean, come on, fair play, right? And, you know, BLM, you know, y'all heard they stormed the Capitol and we had a real interruption yesterday from all the uh, Palestinian supporters who are connected to BLM, and BLM is connected to the DNC. So the Democratic Party committed an insurrection yesterday. Where's where's the media? 
Where, where, where? Cricket button, Charlie. Where's, yep. Thank you, sir. Where's the media? I mean, they went crazy about this false flag, wag the dog attack that they said Trump whipped up back in January 6th, but where's the media? Y'all do realize that the siding with Palestine is another one of these spiritual signs that everybody wants to ignore and nobody likes to listen to anymore, right? So the media, you know, they they couldn't uh, tell you about um, any of the atrocities that Hamas was committing. You know, the beheading of babies and the raping in, of women and the burning everybody while they're alive. Oh, no, we can't do that. And then after it's proven, we can't show any of the pictures. We can't talk about that. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't even use the word terrorist in t- connection to Hamas and Palestine. The media is going to support those people. Let me ask you something. But they'll push pro- po- uh, they'll push Hamas's propaganda. You know, Israel bombed the hospital. It's never mind that Israel's showing you video that shows that the hospital's still there. The media went out and got themselves a picture of some other building that had been destroyed up and said, see, look, they bombed the hospital. Totally fabricated. They lied. They lied. But we can't sue the media. You know, they're protected by the First Amendment. Oh, by the way, the First Amendment never said you can't be sued for what you say. Said you can't be put in jail. Unless, of course, you make a joke about Hillary Clinton in a meme and then you get seven months. What? Y'all didn't hear about that? Yeah, you might want to look that one up. So if you're going to side with and defend something and push forth its propaganda, doesn't that mean you support it? Okay, so the media and the American left are supporting Hamas against Israel. Let me ask you a question. Which side of that uh, battle is evil and why or why not? It, that's not a rhetorical question. That's not a donut question. That's a real serious question. Which side's evil? One side wants the other side dead. And the other side just wants to live in peace. Now, which one's evil? Because how you answer that question will tell you a lot about the person in your mirror. Tell me whether or not I want you in my classroom, too, to be honest with you. And then it brings us to the speaker's vote. You know, I've told you it's one party pretending to be two, right? Joe, you're an idiot. Uh Uh-huh. It's just a bunch of rhinos. It's eight to 12 rhinos holding this all up. No, they're not rhinos. They're Republicans. They're good Republicans. You know what the net result of what's going on in the Congress right now is going to end up being? Republicans are going to screw up, give the speakership to a Democrat, even though they're the minority party, and then they're going to go blame it on those eight to 12 rhinos who probably did exactly what they were supposed to do hand leadership of the Congress over to the minority party. All I see is more evidence that the one party pretending to be two. (sighs) Okay. I got that out of my system. I think. Okay. Let's talk about time. (laughs) This is going to be a lot of fun, at least for me. This is where I start bending heads. Hmm. You know how you, you head shrinks, you know, they like to shrink heads. <laughs> I'm going to do my inner version of Dr. Mix. All I ain't heard about Dr. Mix, who's my physics teacher. He's a former Marine, Marine parachutist. He even survived a, uh, a parachute failure because he knew the physics about how and where to land. Julianne Custom, you did not get that out of your system. 
The donuts? Oh, heck no, man. We got extras for the top of the hour break to recharge. So, Dr. Mix, before we get going, talking about time, because this man's actually part of the reason that I can actually think and, and do and explain things the way I'm about to. So, University Physics 101, it's part one. If you want to be an engineer, you've got to go through this class. So, we're 110 in the auditorium. Very first day of school. Dr. Mix walks in. <laughs> Julia, you did not get that out of your system. Why? We just saw that. Charlie? Sorry. <laughs> it's the I donuts, man. It's the donuts. Have, yeah, it's so Dr. Donuts, Dr. Mix walks in. He's got this pile of books. He puts them on it. the podium. He looks at us. And this is our introduction to Physics 101. My job is to fail you. Your job is to keep me from doing my job. And turns around and starts doing the first lesson. We all just looking at each other. But there was 110 of us that day. You got to take University Physics 1 and 2. Back to back, two semesters in a row. 18 of us got through. 18, and I got a C. I was a AB student with ever having to crack a book. Dr. Mix, I got a C. I think it was a C minus in his fit, but I know my physics. So I laugh my butt off when I watch Mythbusters because those people don't know physics nearly as well as they think they do. They set half their problems up entirely wrong. So why am I talking about Dr. Mix? Because we used to tell him to his face, he was so twisted that they were going to have to screw him in the ground when he died. And he'd laugh about that. He thought that was funny. Well, here we go. Time is not real. Have you read that anywhere? You know, that shows up on my Facebook feed from time to time. It's on the internet. You, you'll If you're poking around like I do all over the place, you'll find these people who are arguing that time is not real. It's an illusion. <laughs> Oh, that makes me laugh. Why would it make me laugh, Joe? They're smarter than you. They know. No, they're they're not all that smart. Takes time to say that. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's where I'm going to start bending your brain today. It takes time to say that time is not real. So you need something that you're telling me doesn't exist in order to say it doesn't exist. So telling me that time is not real is a self-defeating assertion. <laughs> say what <laughs> yeah <laughs> it shows their ignorance and they think they're smarter than everybody else because you know they're coming up with this great time's not real you just think it is the problem is with our thinking define time for me i'll wait seriously define it what is time uh-huh little chirp chirps chirp chirps 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 Time's not easy to define. Not, not if you're like me, not if you're one of those people who actually tries to get down to the nuts and bolts of what something is, you know, the form and function. You might think you know what time is, but do you? What if you think of time as a dimension? Uh-huh. Well, you're, you're used to thinking of dimensions as height, width, and length. Necessarily. Time can be conceived of as a dimension. It's just that you're limited in how you can access it. And this is where the things get. Um, space, the space we live in, can fix your perspective of things. What do I mean by fix it? It can freeze it. It can shape it and mold it. So you live in a three-dimensional world. Well, do you? Yeah, the multiverse. Oh, cool. Joe's going to talk about multiverses and different dimensions. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Heck yeah, that's what today's all about, man. But what if time is also a dimension? Just like height, width, and length. Oh, wait a minute, Joe, that's not the dimension I'm thinking about. Yeah, you're thinking about universe as a dimension. Mm, see what I mean? Bad thinking, muddled, all craziness here. <laughs> so get that universe over to one side of your brain. Dimension is just an aspect of the universe you're in. So that's the multiverse, not the interdimensional. You know, Dimensions are just unique attributes of your universe. We've got to play with definitions here today, folks. You've got to get your brain thinking correctly on all this stuff. And this is one of these days where I don't expect many people to hang with me. <laughs> We're going to go astrophysics today, maybe quantum physics, all sorts of weird crap today. That's okay. That's all right. If you stick with me, I guarantee you, I'll bend your little brain today. Time is a metronomic click. <laughs> yeah, actually, beats per minute or a second. Okay. What's a minute or a second? <laughs> Sucks to hang with a philosopher, doesn't it, road dog? <laughs> See, your minute is defined as 60 ticks, 60 seconds. Well, what the heck is a second, road dog? Well, frequency waves, nope, nope. Frequency waves are defined in terms of time and spatial dimensions. I've asked you, what is time? You haven't, you're, you're committing a fallacy of circular argument. You're defining time using time <laughs> or things that are defined by time. Now, give me a dimension of definition for time. I, I can't give you one either, but I'm going to tell you, think of it as a dimension and your, your perspective of your dimensions. You've got more than three dimensions in this universe, at least the way I look at the universe. Gravity is a dimension. So is time. In my, my way of looking at our world, our created world, I look at it as at least five dimensional minimum. I actually think there's at least four more than that. Just a coincidentally. Aren't there scientists that say that like, there's 9 to 13 or something? Yes, the number is actually between 7 and 13, but that's really cool too there too because they'll say mathematically what they're really little small curled up in little tight balls, but they never tell you where those tight balls are. They just say they're coiled upon each other, but the thing with dimensions and, you know, if you're thinking dimensions, you've limited your way of looking at this. Now, if I start thinking that there's universes out there, well, now that changes things. <laughs> this is where form and function really come in handy yes natasha all right so dimensions height width length time think of time as a dimension i'm not going to try to define time not my intellectual ability according to aaron spikes <laughs> okay the 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 appearance of time in our you know in 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 the part of the universe we're in what where we're at Julianne Custom says, all I know about time is once you have used it, once it passes, there are no refunds. You can't go back and do it over, at least not in this dimension. Yes, right, exactly. At least not in this part of the universe. That's where I was about to get to. Thank you, Julie. Very good. The way our dimensional interactions work in the universe in which we live, time seems to be linear to us. But if time is a dimension, we should be able to travel back and forth within it. We experience it from one point to another, like a river that you can't stream, swim upstream. You can only go downstream. You can't even sit still. You know, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I bet somebody was tripping on drugs when they wrote that song. 
<laughs> Pass it to the left hand side, guys. <laughs> no, they were just on donuts. Donuts. Yes. Well, sugar is a drug. <sighs> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So the way our universe works, or for lack of a better word of universe, the world in which we live, time is a directional direction of travel. You got one dimension. You got to go that way with time. And that limits how we perceive the universe too, because we get so used to thinking in those terms, we don't ever stop and kick ourselves out of it. You know, like Dr. Peter, when the sorcerer throws him out of the Hulk's body, Oh, this is freaky. Yeah. Well, you got to kick yourself out of the world in which you've, you know, you got to get out of the matrix matrix of thinking in the way that the world has formed you to think. So enter eternity. Oh, now it gets fun. If time is a dimension, then eternity takes on a different way of looking at things. Time still exists in eternity. Yeah, well, so? Well, it's just not limited in the direction you travel. Or might not be. What? (laughs) Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so if time is just a piece of paper, Okay, like a dimension, right? You know, flat plane. Here's time. Okay, you and I can only see time this way, and we got to travel through it one way to the other. But this is eternity. And in eternity, I can I can travel in two dimensions. I'm going back and forward wherever I want to go in time. Even if I have to travel from one direction to the other, I can still bounce up and down in time. So what's going to happen is you're not going to feel the passage of time the same way we do in our universe. So when you're thinking, I don't want to go to heaven, we're all just going to sit around a cloud and sing and praise this God guy all day long. How boring can that be? Does that kind of explain the time compression phenomenon that we yes. experience in our lives? Yes. That's exactly Compression and expansion. I understand I, when, whenever something really dangerous is going on or exciting or, you know, whatever, and there's an emergency, I undergo, some people call it time compression because a lot of things start happening in a short period of time. It's like time expands and becomes longer. And that happens to me all the time when things are really emergent. But yes, that's that, that explains this. Explains a whole bunch of other things too. Just like I, I can remember vividly d- during a desert storm, there was one time that I had to grab the 50 cal and engage a target and I'm slinging it on the, on the race that the machine guns mounted on. And I felt every little bump because the race is not perfect. It's, it's just a piece of forged metal and it's got ball bearings on it. And I could feel, I mean, it was like everything was moving in slow motion and it took that much time. That's how much time it took to move the weapon. But I mean that in my memory, that took a year. That's time compression. That's how eternity would work. Or what took a thousand years might take a second in eternity or seem to you that way. Road Dog says, so if the earth spun the opposite direction, time would go backwards in theory? No, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Just like if I can go faster than the speed of light, that doesn't mean you go backwards in time either. That's all science fiction. (laughs) More than likely science fiction. More than likely. What it means is that time is probably, 
more than likely, much more than we can perceive it as. And it works differently than what we perceive it as. The reason we can't actually see or, or put our hands on it that way is because we're locked in this, in this universe that we're in. But theoretical physics tells us that more than likely there's more to time than what we realize. Now, that's the type of mathematics where it takes, you know, six or seven of those classroom-sized chalkboards that the guys are writing the formulas on on big, you know, ladders and everything. And you look at the board and you go, what the heck is that? And it takes some, you know, I could probably figure it out if I really want to dedicate it a month to figuring it out. But I don't want to. But at least I recognize a lot of those formulas when I look at them and I understand, like, oh, crap, that makes my head hurt. Screw that mess. But when you do that type of math, you end up, you know, it keeps ending up with these type of things, points in this type, type of direction. So how we look at and think about time actually affects a lot of other things in our lives. And how we define and conceptualize things affects how we think about it. And you still can't know the truth about any of it because you're stuck inside the bottle. It's like a fish tank. Fish is in the tank. You know, he can see out. He can see the world. Nah, not really. You ever been inside a fish tank? The, the glass distorts their vision. They tend to only be able to see things close to them because of the way the optics and all works. You can only see so much. But even then, the fish doesn't know what's outside the walls of the building he's in. So even if he can see the whole room, he can't see the rest of the world. Well, you and I are a lot like that. We're stuck in a giant fishbowl. So we can't perceive the rest of the reality in which we're in. What do you do with that? Well, I'm going to ignore it and live my life, Joe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, most people do. And that's fine. This show probably isn't for you. Space dimensions. What? More dimensions. Oh, Joe, dimensions is like the multiverse. No, 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 no. Time, height, width, length. They're all dimensions. That's why we call it space-time. What? I thought that was just a term in Star Trek. No, that's actually a physics term. Space-time. Do you do realize... Oh, comment from Julie Larson. Time can go fast and time can go slow. Our perception can be deception. Yeah, you know, in a way, yes. But now, y'all do realize that height, width, and length are measured by time, right? No, Joe, they're measured by inches. Really? What's the dimension of light speed? Well, let's measure. Oh, yeah, it's the distance that light travels over a given period. But distance is still measured by miles, which is inches. No, by time as well. So how long does it take you to travel 12 inches from one area to another? Well, it's just distance, Joe. Yeah, but it takes time to travel distance. It takes time to see distance. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see y'all's faces, but I know from experience that right now I've got some of these looks out there in the audience. I love this part. Charlie, this is this is fun for me, man. I'm donated and I'm on a, a subject that I actually love. You're a nut. Yes, I am, baby. <laughs> but you're a special nut. <laughs> special K, special anyhow, dimensions. Let me ask you something. So we have height, width, and length. The universe is so many bazillion million light years high, wide, and long. Where's the universe? 
Rush Limbaugh used to do this, but he never actually stopped to talk about that. Where is the universe? If you have height, width, and length, what's outside of the boundaries of the universe? Hmm? Where did you put it? Well, there's more height, width, and length. Yes. Yes, there is, but you're ahead of the class plan. And you, yeah, I know. I see. And you may not actually understand the answer the way I'm going to go with that. But the universe has limits, or at least we believe it does. There's only so far back in time that we can see or think we see. And we know that the universe is expanding. So what is it expanding into? See, Joe, I told you there was always something. No, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. That That's not the way the height, the, the time continuum being burst into existence works. Beverly Dalton, this reminds me of the TV series Fringe with John Noble. <laughs> yeah, y'all are going to be absolutely convinced I have lost my freaking mind by the end of today. The problem is there are a few of them in the world that go, uh-huh, I understand what he's saying. <laughs> so where is space? space continuum <laughs> in a way space-time continuum is what we call outer space that's that's what that is that's that's what that means it continues on into eternity you know the, the spatial dimensions into the progression of time but we can't see past the big bang so what's on the other side of that wall that we can't see past nothing possibly yes but do you all understand what nothing means <laughs> and if you did that nothing is something right exactly if you understood what true nothing was you'd be like immediately like i would be sometimes how the heck do you put something inside of a true nothing <laughs> you'd like all right <laughs> pass the donuts baby <laughs> i've been around you too long <laughs> so if the space time is created with the big bang then where is the space in which that space time was placed what's the container is there another spatial universe ah now that's a possibility but now if it's another spatial universe just like ours all we're doing is kicking the can because then we need to know where that spatial universe was put but now if it's a different spatial universe you mean different though see i told you you're locked in this space-time continuum and you never kick yourself outside of your Hulk body and you never think about these things in different terms. So you never understand that it's possible for a space-time continuum to be entirely different in nature than the one in which you live, which might not need somewhere for it to exist. What? Yeah. <laughs> this is fun for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> This is a blast. <laughs> Trust me, I warped my philosophy teacher's minds. Problem was half of them could keep up with me. They knew where I was going. I just ask questions they never bothered asking. As soon as I did, the answers came to them and their looks on their faces was fun too. <laughs> so time and space, you got to think of dimensions differently. You're, we in our culture, we're so used to science fiction. We forget that a dimension is actually not a whole new universe. They're not the same thing. A dimension is a physical or some sort of natural property of the universe in which you live. 
So that's why they talk about multiverse. That's multiple universes. Well, what if this universe, donuts and pizza? Oh, now John Deere's talking my language. Yeah, isn't he? <laughs> All right. I talk about a distraction, man. Somebody with a red dress just walked through the room. John Deere, donuts and pizza. <sighs> Charlie, a donut pizza. Oh. oh, we've just discovered a new universe of food. Oh. We're going to have to make one of these. <laughs> oh, John, you don't know what you have just We've got to go talk to Krispy Kreme. We need some batter. Donut <laughs> pizza. <laughs> I feel yellow all of a sudden. <laughs> yes, I was just going to say, you need to wear your yellow shirt, and we need to do that. <laughs> all right. Okay, Gummy Bear, if you're listening, <laughs> go search a donut for pizza. a donut pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the distraction. I'm not. <laughs> all right, dimensions. Dimension does not have to be equal to height, width, and length. It can be something like time. Or even gravity. Gravity's not a dimension, Joe. It's a force. How do you know? What? Yes. Have you ever seen those little pictures about E equals MC squared and the theory of relativity where it's got all the, you know, like the graph paper bending because, you know, the Earth bends space-time continuum? That's actually what gravity is. No, gravity's a force, Joe. No, not according to new, uh, uh, Einstein. Einstein says gravity is just the effect of you falling into the space-time continuum. And the space-time continuum is warped by mass. What? Yeah, what? Which means there is no force. Gravity is, well, what pulls me down into space-time? The warping of space. Now, here's the cool thing about this. Einstein never got there. In order for that to work, there has to be at least one other spatial dimension in this universe. I say you call that gravity. And this is why they've never been able to explain gravity because they're thinking about it the wrong way. Now, if you think about it the way I do, it still fits with Einstein's theories, only better. It's prettier. And I've pitched this at a physicist one time and he just looked at me and his eyes got like this. I said, you're not going to do anything with that, are you? He says, no. <laughs> he says, I'd get drummed out of the community if I said that. <laughs> I said, uh-huh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> I was a holy terror in college, folks. My professors loved to hate me, hated to love me, all at the same time. But if gravity is nothing more than another dimension or three dimensions, what? Yeah, it's another part of this universe that we can't perceive. It is a natural part of the universe. I think so. Once upon a time, I had the math halfway worked out. I still had problems with it, trust me. I needed help, but nobody wanted to talk to me about this. But if the warping, you know, the little pictures, I'd have to find one sometime, but they got like a graph page and it warps. You got this earth here has warped space and whatever. That's just, that's just like Sheldon saying, you know, if there was a fourth dimension, he could take his pants off without ever having to unzip them. You know, weird stuff because he gets naked in the symposium or whatever because he's drunk. But, yeah, if you guys don't watch enough TV and movies, today's references are not making any sense to you. But I can't help that. you got to keep up. 
stick up with pop culture, man. Come on. So the warping of space isn't so much gravity, it's other dimensions. And this solves a lot of other problems as well. The only problem that it doesn't solve is where the heck is all the dark matter at? Eh, we'll get to that. But height, width, and length does not have to work the same way in all universes. Or for that matter, in other aspects of our universe. Huh? Height, width, and length, if time is perceived differently and time is part of the measurement of height, width, and length, then height, width, and length would be perceived differently in that universe as well. Yeah, ain't that cool? Huh? Okay. Remember how I told you that if you have a two-dimensional aspect to time, that you wouldn't perceive time the same way? It might be that time's a lot shorter or a lot longer. Well, if your dimensions in that universe are also linked, this is all hypothetically, but if they're also linked to time the same way they are in ours, you know, measuring them, then height could be this and this at the same time, at the exact same time, this and this at the exact same time, because it's part of time. So you could have dimensional compression as well. The beauty of that is you don't need a container on the outside to contain it. It's a self-contained existence. <laughs> Huh? Yeah, I know. Huh? <laughs> but now, if your universe that we're in is a natural part of that self-contained universe, we can't see the whole picture, but the whole picture can see us. Now, we exist inside that self-contained universe. And the mass and the dimensions in that self-contained universe you mean like are part of gravity, so they work across all dimensions. You mean like we're in this big aquarium and we're in the in, aquarium's inside an ocean. And we're in a bubble in that aquarium. Oh yeah, that works too. Yes. And you have waters above and waters below. Yes. And then we have this earth inside our bubble that we exist on. Yes. Oh, cool. You could explain it that way. Yes, you could. Yeah. Somebody did, I think. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that that's how we actually perceive it when we start examining it, but conceptually that works. Yes. So what if we are actually just part of the subset of that larger universe? Yeah, like a snow globe effect. Yes. Yes, Julie. That would explain a lot of things. It explains dark matter. You can't find it in this universe because it actually exists in the other one. Flat Earth. No, Clay. Not really. It wouldn't help you with that one. <laughs> Gravitational issues are taken care of there. Uh, it crosses spatial dimensions. So gravity would be a dimension that goes everywhere. Time might be a dimension that goes everywhere. It's just that in our contained part of this universe, you know, our contained dimension bubble, time has to be experienced linearly in, in one dimension. But in the greater the universe itself, you know, we, we're in a contained bubble within the actual universe. What I'm trying to tell you is there's more to this universe that we're in than we think there is. That science is pretty much proven. They just don't understand its nature because we can't perceive it. We have to look at its shadows and, and its side effects. So that would also explain where we're at, explains how gravity works, tells us where dark matter is, and explains how time is a linear phenomenon to us, but not necessarily to the greater universe. It, it, this way I have, it, this is just how my poor little stupid brain works. I know what the problems are. I look for an explanation that's consistent and coherent that explains everything. And 
I go with it. Well, this one works. And it's perfectly within E equals MC squared. You know, the theory of relativity. Everything I'm explaining to you falls perfectly within that. Einstein might even be sitting here going, yes, okay, I see. And then he'd run with it because he was smarter than me. Comment on the board from JMW. The way God could tell David what would happen based on his actions. Possibly. But now I will get to that. You're ahead of the class. <laughs> so, universe. We've already covered that. Eternity. In our contained dimensions, eternity is not possible. We've already covered this. In this universe, it's not possible. But in our contained dimension part of this universe, we're a, a bubble inside the greater universe. If we're just a part of the actual real universe, eternity could easily exist there because time works different. This is all theoretical. It doesn't have to be this way. But it it works out well in the way I've envisioned it, the way I'm explaining it to you. Eternity can exist there. But it might not exist in another universe or it might exist differently, you know, if you have multiple dimension, you know, multiple universes with different dimensional whatever. You can think of all this stuff. You can make up anything you want. I've already covered time as a plane. Um the whole thing is that you would just perceive time differently. But now, if this is the case, if if we've got a actual huge universe that we can only see the part that we're in the contained bubble, and if time works the way I was explaining to you earlier, I can be with, if I have access to the greater universe and I can see into the contained bubble where we live, I can be with each and every one of you in the audience every second of your lives all at the same time where I'm at in the greater universe. Ah, now ain't that cool. I can experience every second of everybody's life that has ever lived all at the same time in my universe. Yes, Natasha. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, but it explains a lot. I just haven't told you what it explains yet. Well, I mean, if it was you specifically, that's terrifying. <laughs> I see where she's going with that. <laughs> that would be because none of you could hide your donuts on me. I'd know exactly where to go get them. So if you were private, whatever his name was from Full Metal Jacket, I would have known you had that jelly donut in your foot locker i wouldn't have had to go looking at the unlocked locker to find the donut i would have already known so it's all about perception it's all about how you conceive of and look at things now intersecting space times <laughs> so let's just say our universe is two different groups of dimensions you have the big universe the one we really live in that we can't see and it's got its own version of time and space. And it's self-contained. It doesn't, be, because it's, you can travel in time. Time is like a two-dimensional plane there. And it's got a height, width, and a length that work differently than ours. But we are in a bubble inside it. Like, like Charlie was saying, we're in a bubble inside an aquarium. Our universe is the aquarium. You and I live in a, a space-time, you know, dimensional bubble inside that greater universe. So the, the height, width, and length in the greater universe works different than in ours. But now since we're inside it, 
the greater universe affects our bubble, but our bubble doesn't necessarily affect the greater universe, you know, because, because we're inside it. We're a part of it. We're not, it isn't a part of us. So what does that start doing for us? Well, if the height, and this is where you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to picture this in your head, but if your time plane and if the greater universe, you know, the fish tank universe, time and space and, and all intersects our bubbles, time and space at a 90 degree angle, all of a sudden creatures in the fish tank will be able to enter in and out of our, our little bubble. And they can decide whether or not they want to be seen or not seen. They could manifest themselves to you. And they could mess with things in our universe. They could move them around. And to us, it would look like they were moving of their own free will. Aliens! There you go. That's where I was heading with this. We'll get to that shortly. But you'd be able to do all sorts of cool things. It's basically, to us, we'd like, oh, it's interdimensional travel. Well, no. Remember, the universe... It would be inner universe travel is what you're thinking about. Interdimensional in this case is is they're just kind of yes, they're they're traveling from their dimensions of height, space, and width, their space time into our space time and back again. But that's like I was trying to tell you earlier in the discussion. That's the key to understanding dimensions. They're still within the universe, but all these dimensions are contained within the universe. When we say interdimensional travel, what we're actually thinking is different universes. We're on to something when we say interdimensional travel, but we don't understand what we're on to because we're thinking different worlds, different universe, different world. No, 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 no. Different dimensions here in this case is somebody has access to the full world, to the whole fish tank. And they might even be able to manipulate things here. But this is this would explain almost all of the quote unquote paranormal activity that we find in this world. And people who dismiss the paranormal do so out of ignorance. If you ever research that stuff, there is something to it. Not all of it, but there is something to it. And it has been documented. It has been measured, both electromagnetically and on video uh, footage. It's, it's been measured. They've, they've caught it temperature changes that are unexplained. And I don't mean two or three degrees. We're talking 20, 30 degree changes like that in a, in a room, just in a room without an air conditioner. This has been measured. They've video things that they've photographed it. This stuff has been measured. So this dimensional thing I'm telling you about, it would explain the paranormal. What you're dealing with are beings of some sort that can just cross from their space-time dimension into ours. And because ours is a part of their world, and they're, you know, we're, we're contained in theirs, we might even be a lab experiment, if that's how you want to think about this. Q. Yes, Q. Yes. So, next generation Star Trek reference, guys. Did you ever see the movie Interstellar? That's basically what he's doing. He's in, he's in a dimensional warp where he's trying to talk to his daughter in a different time and space. This would also explain quantum entanglement. And that's something that I've pitched at quantum physicists too, and they don't want to listen to me. They think I'm nuts. Okay, I might well be, 
but I know that what I'm explaining to you is coherent, consistent, and it's rational. And it can even be worked out theoretically in the math. I hadn't fully worked it out when I was younger, and I've forgotten how to do that math now because I don't care about it anymore. But I was on my way to figuring that out. If I'd have ever stuck with it, I might have won the Nobel Peace Prize. Let <laughs> me sit there with Obama. <laughs> Only I'd have actually done something. But this this would explain quantum entanglement because where we think, well, you know, this particle's affected by this particle over here. Because, well, yeah, because what's happening is the quantum world is bouncing back and forth between both dimensions, both sets of dimensional space. Quantum physics says that a particle can exist and not exist at the same time. In our tiny little bubble dimensional universe, that's not possible. That can't work. But if we are that little bubble inside the fish tank that Charlie was talking about, then yes, all that piece is doing is bouncing in and out of the two space-time continuums in a way that when it bounces out, we can't see it. When it bounces in, we see it. But if you're in the fish tank universe, you see it the whole time. You can see it go in and out of our universe. This explains quantum entanglement. This explains string theory. This explains everything. There's a reason they don't want to go here. I haven't explained that to you yet. But there is a reason they don't want to go here with me. There's a real good reason they don't want to go here with me. We'll get to that after the break. Ghosts and aliens. We've just explained ghosts and aliens. They're just entities from the, the greater, the fish tank world. Their space-time continuum and their dimensions. They just have access to ours. They can come and go at will. So they have the ability to cross over and everything. And they're not, they're not aliens to the fish tank universe. They're aliens to our world because we can't perceive them at will. We can only see them when they want to show themselves to us. But that means they're not a part of our natural world. Well, well, Joe, we're inside theirs, right? Yeah, but we're a part of theirs, but they're not a part of ours. Just like if I create a computer and I set up a program, that program is a part of my world, but I'm not a part of it. I actually control it. I'm above it. It's like with Tron. Tron is a part of the outside world, but the outside world was not a part of Tron. So to us, if these beings popped into our space-time continuum and manifested themselves to us, let us see them, they would be aliens. Literally, they actually would be aliens. They're not a natural part. They're not contained in our universe. They can come and go. They're, they're not stuck here. So they are alien. It, you know, we think of aliens as being E.T. You know where the name comes from. You're just not a Native American, you know, you're not a Native Earthian. You weren't born on the third rock from the sun. That's what alien means. Well, illegal aliens, Joe. Right. You're not a Native American. You came from another nation. That's what we mean by alien. So what we think of as E.T., he's just, you know, ghost is the same way. Um, now, I have a question for you. <laughs> Might even be us. In this universe, information can't be destroyed. What? Yeah, it's one of the laws of physics. Information, energy, is not destroyed in this universe. Where are your memories stored? In your brain, Joe. Nope. Science doesn't know where your memories are stored. They don't. 
They think now it might be in your spinal fluid or each cell of your body. They don't know. So when you're dead, where do your memories go? They've tested everything of our meat computer, you know, the body. And it's, it's not in our meat computer. That's not where your memories are. So where are they? Maybe there is an aspect of who and what we are. They're stored in the cloud. Yes, but that's just it. Don't laugh about that. The cloud could be the fish tank universe. So when you cease to be part of this self-contained bubble inside the fish tank universe, you might go back to the fish tank universe. Ain't that cool? Life after death. Just not the way we think of life. Not the location we might be thinking of. Maybe just not the way we were thinking of it to begin with, period. We just moved to the fish tank universe. This is a very Gnostic way of looking at things. Not a Hebrew way of looking at things. Yet. I'll reach in there. Okay. That's where I want to stop for the hour. That is a, if you can stick with me at all, that is a secular theory of the nature of the true universe in which we live. And the true universe here being a fish tank, you know, we're, we're in a self-contained bubble within a fish tank. That works. That explains everything that I've been pitching at you. It answers all the problems. It doesn't mean we know the true nature of the fish tank. No, not at all. We're supposing, you know, we're, we're assuming things, facts, not in evidence, because logically there'll be, and we don't know that logic would work the same way over there. We assume it does, but it should, because logic should be a universal, but it may not. But if we assume these things, then everything I've explained to you is, is, is rational. It makes sense in the way I've explained it. It's consistent. One thing flows to the next. It's coherent meaning that it, 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 it all just works. It works. What I was explaining to you can work. By the physics we know and understand, it can work just fine. And it would explain a lot of questions that physics has about our universe. Explain a lot of stuff. You, you'd finally have a theory of gravity that makes sense. You'd also have an explanation for the strong and weak attraction and repulsion of electromagnetic theory as well. It, it's I, I didn't go into that. It, that's just mind-bending physics, but it would work there. It fi it fix everything, all of this, every bit of this works. Doesn't mean it's real. It works. Now, what got oh comment on the board from Road Dog? Just waiting for the big fish to eat us. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it's the world destroyer. Didn't you see that episode of the original Star Trek movie? USS Constellation, you know, he goes, flies the ship down the, anyway, the planet eater. <laughs> so, and it, this also explains Stephen King. Yeah, you're just riding around on the back of the cosmic turtle inside the fish tank. And somewhere along the line in the fish tank, there's a giant spider. And somehow or another, Stephen King was given a vision of the fish tank universe. And within our contained bubble universe he wrote about it in the book called it <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> and there's your flat earther clay <laughs> you're on the back of the cosmic turtle 
we're going to go to break. I'm going to get redonated. <laughs> when we come back, I'm going to explain to you why, why our physicists don't want to look at any of this. There's a, there's a reason they don't want to look at any of this. I've just explained something to you that you already know about, whether you believe it or not is irrelevant. You already know about it. You've been told about it. You've heard about it. You just never had it explained the way I just did. Road dog. We come back from the break. Here's the conspiracy. Everything I just told you about was a conspiracy to get you to listen to the cosmic conspiracy. I'm going to share next. It is conspiracy theory Thursday. See you in six.
Whoopsie, we're back. No, I didn't. We were just going to ask Natasha if she can hear us during the breaks. Yeah, we're on. I'm redonated between, so we can talk to each other. When <laughs> yes, Joe is on yeah. donuts. Yeah, Replay Joe for sure. Yeah. yeah, Cindy McClendon, if you came late to this show, you're already lost. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Your brain's going to be really blown real quick. <laughs> so, I was just explaining to you, and Charlie will be part of the second half of this hour because. He's going to add his way of looking at this. I'm bending his brain too, but Charlie's keeping up for the most part. What I'm doing is forcing him outside of his Hulk body and he's sitting there going, Oh, cool. This is freaky. (laughs) Hopefully y'all are tracking with me too, because what I have just explained to you, the universe that I have just described to you, you know, the fish tank universe that Charlie used and we're in the little bitty bubble inside it. I just described the spirit world to you from the Bible. I spent the entire hour, last hour, explaining the spirit world to you as the Bible has it. He says he's been lost since the start, according to Aaron. At least this one way to explain the Bible. And then when I mentioned this to Charlie, he already knew where I was going with this. He had a good idea, but during the break, we we were discussing it. This is why I want Charlie to jump in a little bit later. He's like, oh, this explains it so much more than I realized. It does. Now, let me ask you a question. Why is it okay to accept the possibility of different universes and aliens and interdimensional beings? But as soon as I mentioned the Bible, oh, nobody wants anything to do with that. Why is that? If I have the intersecting dimensions the way I told you, in our bubble inside the fish tank universe, heaven would always be up and hell would always be down, no matter where you're out on the globe. Because I've heard some people say, well, how can heaven be up? You know, if I'm on the North Pole and heaven's up, if I'm on the South Pole, then heaven would be down. Not if heaven is in the different, if it's heaven is a place in the fish tank universe that intersects our world in a different direction, no matter where you're at inside our bubble, heaven will always be up. Hell would always be down. Explains everything. Even if the world's turned upside down. Yep. And then eternity would be just a different aspect of time. Angels would be aliens. Ghosts would be demons. And the supernatural and miracles that everybody thinks about, that's just part of the fish tank universe. You're a subset of it. So to you, it's supernatural because you can't see outside of your bubble. Mm. And if you have beings that are able to manipulate the things in your world that know how it works, they can do what would appear to be miracles to us. Even make the sun stop in space. Like walk on water. Mm -hmm. Do all sorts of cool things because they wouldn't actually be walking on the water. They would be walking on the surface of those other three dimensions. So why, why so quick to accept dimensions, aliens, et cetera, and not the Bible? Why were people so fascinated? And I, I, I can tell you right now, there, I had a few of you out there in the audience. I know it. You were fascinated with this discussion until I took this left turn that you didn't see coming. All of a sudden, you're, why? why? I'm just asking for a friend. So reality, what exactly is it? Are we real? Or do we just think we're real? How do we know? It's a bit Joe. You just think you think, you know, I think therefore I'm real. Therefore I exist. So you just think you think. You don't know that you're thinking. 
well, if I think I think, then I have to exist in some way, shape or form to think, which is back to, I think, therefore I am. So I am actually real as opposed to this Gnostic thinking that I'm just, you know, a dream in some sort of computer matrix. I just can't be sure of the real nature of reality. Comment on the board by Road Dog. Wonder if we'll see the bubble when we're in heaven. You might. I don't know. We just don't know the nature or existence of reality. It exists outside of us. The true, the true nature of reality exists outside of us and our perceptions and our controls. We have senses to perceive it. And we, it, you know, the, the bubble that we're in. And we have a mind to guide us in our understanding and our investigations and a will to decide what we believe. Which leaves us right back to the Bible. You know, like, psst, don't look now, but I just brought you back to the Bible yet again. Uh, how can uh, how can you understand that, you know, the Bible tells you you got two ways to look at the universe. You've got your senses. You can perceive it whichever way you want. You've got a mind to decide which way you want to go. How, how are you going to understand the things? Are you going to look for science to describe it or whatever? I got a little newsflash for you. Science can go exactly where I just took you last hour if it wants to. I told you there's a reason scientists don't like the theory I just you know I explained last hour because if they uh, if they run down that road with me, they end up in the same location I did. The Bible, they don't want to go there. That's why spirit world can't be tested. Yes, it can. Everything I explained last hour can be scientifically tested. In case you didn't realize this, what I was giving you in the last hour was a scientific explanation, a working scientific theory of the world the Bible explains. Now you can go test it. This also explains why I tell you falsehood. Many destinations. There's one path, the path of deception. It'll have many locations where you end up. The truth always comes back to the same destination. That's why everything I ever explain to you always comes back to the scriptural worldview. Have you ever noticed that if I want to explain one phenomenon, I'm just a scientist. There's no Bible. There's no God. So I'm just a scientist. I'm going to explain that phenomenon. Then I got an explanation for that one. I got an explanation for that one. Then I finally get to the fourth one, but that explanation contradicts with this one. Whoops. You know, that's why they can't get quantum mechanics to mesh up with physics in this world. That's because the quantum mechanics is crossing between both worlds, you know, bubble world and fish tank world. And they won't think that way. If they did, it resolves their issues. But they don't want to think that way because then all of a sudden they got to go confront the Bible again. And, oh, my God, I might not be God after all. It <laughs> forces you to make decisions, decisions they don't want to make. Okay, you don't want to make those decisions. That's explained in the Bible too. But the capital T truth still exists, whether you like it or not. And the reason you can't explain everything in a coherent, simple, nice, neat, easy little package because you're not dealing with the fullness of reality. You want to deal with just the bubble world, even though the fish tank world passes through, crosses over, and works within the bubble world as well. You got to get bigger. It's all about perspective and perception. That's why those classes on perspective, how do you look at things? How do you conceive of them? How do you understand them? How do you explain them? And the, like the quest for the unification theory in physics, they want one, one formula that explains everything they think they know. 
theologically, that's called the Bible. You know, that's the Judeo-Christian worldview. In physics, they're trying to come up with, you know, something as eloquent as E equals MC squared that explains the whole universe. They're never going to find it because they're only dealing with the closed bubble world. The dimensions in our bubble, they don't want to look at the fish tank that we're in. Well, the fish tank affects this world. So if there's a force working on this world and you keep it out of your equations, guess what? You're never going to make your equation balance because you've thrown away the variables. And this is why science claims it can't prove what I've been talking about because they've thrown it away. That's a fallacy. So I don't have a problem with any of this. It works. It all clicks for me. And as I was explaining things like um, the theory of creation. Um, I'm going to let Charlie expand on that here in just a second. So Charlie, get ready. He's studying that right now. I stuck him on another rabbit hunt. He's like, oh, wow. But everything I've just explained to you about time, space, dimensions, all of this, it, all I did was take my training in, in science and philosophy and overlaid the biblical worldview on top of them. I didn't take my science and philosophy and overlay it on top of the Bible. So I got my investigation in the proper order and I came up with a grand universal design theory that works just fine. It even explains how you get something out of nothing. At least in this universe, it explains everything. Nice, neat, tidy. Charlie, pop yourself in here, bro. Okay. Yeah. So what did this show bring? What type of fireflies and thinking did it set off for you that you were talking about during the break, especially like with the, you're reading on the Genesis and the Egyptian world theory and all this other stuff. Tell them why you had this idea of the bubble within the water. Yeah. Cause I've been uh, studying a book that you put me on. <laughs> it's uh, what it, in the beginning we misunderstood, I believe is the title yep. of it. Um, and what it, uh, what it proposes as a thesis is that Genesis, the creation account in Genesis, is not a literal account of exactly what happened, but rather it's a polemic, which is basically a teaching against another um, understanding. Um, because at the time, there were at least three different creation accounts. You had the Egyptian creation account, the Mesopotamian, and the Canaanite. Mm -hmm. um, and what, the, what Genesis was doing was it was basically um, using that perspective, because that's what the people you know, of the day understood. So they were taking him from the known to the unknown, a good teaching technique and they were taking those things and putting them into a different perspective different because, perspective because in the egyptian account you have a well it starts with a just a massive a, ocean a, a massive ocean fish tank yes and uh so you you have fish tank 
We'll use fish tank because that's what we're talking about here. And then within that fish tank, the gods create this bubble inside the fish tank. Big bang. Yep. And then the gods, you know, and there's many different gods that do different things. Fish you tank know, scientists. There's, there's like a god that creates the bubble. There's a god that creates the land and a god that creates, you know, and they've got all these different gods, you know, creating and, and bringing order to this chaos and the the uh, mesopotamian is is similar there's some differences in in how it's done and what what things the gods do but but basically these are all very similar in in what their understanding is so the greater illustration in genesis would fit the theory that i was describing just from a from the perspective of the of the egyptians yes very much so because when you read in genesis and it talks about the um the uh, i forget the word they use for it but but anyway the the deep or whatever you know yeah. hovering over that word in hebrew actually means a primeval sea so it it actually mirrors the account of of egypt in particular right, but the whole the whole point here is it's, it's disorder and chaos right but it shows for the 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 theological lesson here is that there is a single God, Yahweh, that actually did all this creation. It wasn't a bunch of different gods doing it. It was a single entity right. that did this. But what you were keying on is the whole idea of you have this water, which was the fish tank. Right. And then you have the air bubble. Right. In other words, Big Bang, you've created a universe within a universe. Yes, that was their understanding okay. at the time. Well, this also fits with Divine Council worldview, too. Uh, which is in the Bible, yeah. because now what you have is not only the creator, the single creator, but the creator in the Bible, he works in conjunction with his uh, helpers, his servants, the angels. Mm -hmm. And at some point in time, you get a group of angels that rebel, even though they've been appointed to lead over the different nations so that these right. rebel nations will teach, these rebel leaders will teach the nations inside the bubble different stories of what happened. Right, and these and these, this is where your mythology and comes these from. helpers exist in the fish tank. Yes, not in the bubble. Although right. they can come in and out of the bubble at their will, apparently. Yes. And folks, this sounds crazy. It sounds crazy, but it fits. That's it the works, thing. doesn't it? It fits. It explains everything. Everything. So I mean, and why does it sound exactly crazy? Right or wrong? Seriously, you know, though, stop knows, for a minute. But, why does it sound crazy? because of our conditioning that we've been raised in yes now everything i've explained today charlie is there any of it that is beyond the realm of possibility i mean real world possibility absolutely not that's what that's what's so beautiful about this you know whether we're right or not is irrelevant how this it's irrelevant it's but, a theory but like you're saying it's it's logical it's coherent it fits together and it Explains fits together this world? easily we're not mm -hmm. having to bring a hammer in and and say you know okay well everything began from this little big bang thing okay well where'd the big bang come from fish tank well okay it's from the fish tank now you know we could go further and say where did the fish tank come from well well that already got explained they have a different dimension of time and a different reality of time and dimension Right. So that that so they can have eternity in their universe because the laws would work differently. Right. So that yeah, that 
Yeah, and that that gets mind blowing when you think about that. Yes, because when you... you start thinking about eternity, that's that blows my mind because we are so stuck in our time base here. It's hard to even conceive of what the eternity would be. Right, but that's also because you you haven't had anybody help you wrap your head around the concepts of eternity. You know, somebody yeah. who's thought through it. it it's you're never going to be able to perfectly understand it, but people can help you better understand yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I understand it to a certain degree, but that but it's still it's 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 a stretch for me yes. because, you know, we're we're so locked into our bubble understanding is, but you know, to use the metaphor we're using here. The cool point about this one is everything that I've explained to you today, folks, not only does it explain this world, it explains the Bible. Yes. yes and it, it will does. also explain all the different mythologies in the world. Uh, yeah. Every one of them. That's, it that's unifies what's interesting. Them. It, it, it really explains the origins and how some of these mythologies came to be. And it kind of, gosh, it explains so much because it explains the demons and the, you know, all this stuff. It's Yes, Aaron, you're in a spiritual matrix. We're in the matrix. We are. You are in a spiritual matrix. And that's what the Bible tells you, too. The Bible tells you you can either see the material world or you can see the spirit. You can be born from above and start to accept and understand and see the effects of the fish tank world. Or you can stay in the bubble, in the matrix from below and accept all of the bad things that come with that too. All right, Joe, I want to ask you a question. Okay. All right. As a Christian, you know, we come along and there comes a time in our life that we are converted, if you will. Born again is is the common phrase that's used. Does that mean we enter a different dimension? I don't know if we've entered the different dimension. I think it's more a case of we become intellectually aware of it and accept it and start pursuing it rather than our mind is elevated. Our thinking and our understanding and our willingness to accept things is elevated to a different level. Now, according to scripture, it brings your 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 fish tank, that part of you that is in the fish tank still it brings that back in connection with the part of you that's in the bubble because they've been separated, but you got to be careful with that. I told you that's Gnostic thinking. If you think they're separate, I can make it Hebrew with one little word. Well, two words, but if you're not a physicist, you won't understand Hebrew. I mean, Gnostic thinking is that you got a spirit and a body and they're totally separate, you know, and you you're longing for death so that your spirit can be separated and sent back to the fish tank world and live peacefully forever and ever. Hebrew thinking is that you're one. You can't be separated. You're one being. Two words that explain the Hebrew thinking versus the Gnostic. String theory. Okay, you're warping my mind. Right. String theory. A particle is actually a wave or a string. We see it as one point in our space-time continuum. It's just one particle because the rest of the string is in the fish tank world. So what happens when you're born again? This is not necessarily the way it works. Oh, wow. This is conceptual. This is just one way of explaining how it could work. Just one way. But what happens is the rest of the part that you can't see, that's your spirit or whatever. As soon as you're born again, you accept all these things. That particle, you now, in your mind and world and heart and your understanding, you now see that entire string. And it stretches into, yeah, there you go. 
it stretches into the spirit world. You are now expanded into that, and it's no longer particle theory to you. It's string theory. It becomes like instead of just seeing one point on a spider's web, now you see the whole spider web. Oh my gosh! You just—I I have a firefly that just, just went off. Did that make sense to you then? Yeah, it did. And it—and you know, there's a metaphor that we use that even connects this. If—if if I'm right, just make, make, tell me if I'm off. But you know, people—we even sing a song occasionally in our congregation about this, because there is a metaphor that's used about our souls, and that there's a silver cord or silver there string you go. that attaches work. us to you know, Yahweh in his world and silver string or silver cord right, around my heart. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are you starting folks? I hope the rest of the class sees this. I know Charlie is seeing it because he knows me and he works with me on a daily basis. You cannot pit and he, Charlie will witness on me for this one. So would Natasha, if she wants to, when was the last time you pitched something at me, Charlie, I didn't have a rough ballpark answer for right away. Um, I remember one time because you, you became famous with a meme on Facebook because you said you didn't know. Yeah, that was a specific question, but I mean, I'm giving but, you general <laughs> ideas of explaining yeah, grand theory, I mean, the grand theory. But, but in general, yes, you usually I know where it fits in the puzzle. An idea of where things are, but that's because this is not an off the cuff idea. I've pitched it you today, folks. What do you no, got, no. Natasha? Just um, confirming Charlie's firefly that went off in my head too. Yeah. So second, second witness, I guess, if you will. If you guys will work and crunch on this the way I'm explaining it to you now in the second hour, it'll be worth your time to go back to the first hour. You can skip the politics. Start where I start talking about time and then re-watch it thinking in biblical terms this time because I know you weren't the first time around. I doubt any of you were. Not even Charlie was at first. I don't think he was. I could be wrong. But very few people ever track spiritually with me when I go through this. When I get done with it and I hit them with that Bible part stuff, man, it blows minds, especially if you know your Bible at all. Because everything I've been explaining to you is nothing more than putting your biblical narrative into a hard scientific theory. And it can be tested. You can test the, the shadow of what I call a shadow or an echo. It's an indirect effect in, in this world. It's like, okay. There's a very famous experiment with light. They say that our perceiving something creates the reality we're in. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll shine a light through a, a little plate. It's got one hole in it. And on the other side, the light will either hit to the left or the right because the light's a wave. If you're watching it, the light either shows up on the left or the right of the plate. If you don't watch it, if you just let the light shine through and you go away, it shows up everywhere. You get a big spectrum. And they're saying because that was nobody there to perceive it. That's not exactly that you formed reality by perceiving it. It's that you saw a different piece of that reality because you're stuck in linear time. When they let the machine do it, they're coming back and they're seeing the wave time. So what they think, because they won't look at it the way I'm looking at it, they refuse. They think that our perception forces reality into existence. No. What it is, is they're seeing a different perspective of the greater reality and failing to recognize it as such. 
How do I know I'm right and they're wrong? If you and I all look at something, we're all going to look at a piece of red paper, all of us. We might see it in different shades of red because of the physical um, limitations of the rods and cones in our eyes. But we will, even if we're colorblind, we've come over time to learn that's red. That is the color that we define as red. Well, if your perception forms reality, why do we all see it as red? Well, because we've been told that's red, Joe. Well, then why does everybody come up not seeing it as a different color and insist it? You know, if you grew up thinking that this one was red and that one was yellow, there would be what we call glitches in the matrix. Some people wouldn't see red as red. They'd say they'd insist that it was yellow or blue or green, but we all know it's red. The point is we all, no matter where we're at, we, it, okay. We all perceive the same thing the same way. All right. I'm going to send you on a scavenger hunt and we've got these little messages on the scavenger hunt and I'm going to leave them posted to walls and I'm going to send you all around the city. How do we all end up in the same destination at the end of the scavenger hunt? If you perceived that message differently than the other one, because remember, you make reality out of your perception. So I wrote down the letters or the numbers. So, well, we were trained to look at it that way, Joe. You're okay. If you were trained to look at everything in this universe a specific way, why, when they come back, do they see the whole light spectrum instead of just a dot? See, what our scientists today, especially our physicists, have run into is the same problem why I called Stephen King an idiot. Not Stephen King, sorry. Um, uh, Stephen Hawking. He's very intelligent. No wisdom at all. Stephen Hawking's the physicist, the wheelchair guy. His last book, you know, when he comes back to the theory of time, grand theory of time, rewrites it, he says, philosophy is dead. We don't need him anymore. If he was more of a philosopher, he would realize the problems, the very basic problems in his assumptions. He would realize a lot of his physics is based on fallacious reasoning, which doesn't work in this bubble universe. John Deere 8000. So are you saying all matter has an umbilical cord to the bubble? Yes. Yes. That's what I'm saying. You're getting it there, John Deere. You're getting it. So if perception creates reality, we should not all be able to run the same scavenger hunt and end up in the same place. Matter of fact, we should expect every one of us to be scattered in different places. And I should expect the scientists, if we were trained to see that reality in a, a specific way, I should expect the scientists would have never found this problem. What it is, is they're seeing the greater reality and failing to perceive why it appears that way. Because there's no spiritual awareness in them. Which is exactly what the Bible tells you will happen. <sighs> Charlie, I've run out of donut. Oh, no. No. Yes, Finally. all matter does have mass. Yes. John Deere says then all matter has mass. Yes, it would have mass. And that mass would affect everything across both. See, that's another thing. The, the mass in the bubble world would also affect the mass in the in the fish tank world. Because gravity 
goes across to all dimensional planes. So, so does time just perceived different in this world than that world. Yes, there they are. We have run out of donuts, basically saying I have run out of things to talk about today. So unless somebody on the board has a, I want the one in the middle with the sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> That's your favorite. The white with the sprinkles. Oh gosh. Yeah. I yes. like the one in the corner, the filled one. Yeah, that's the apple-filled one. Yeah, the apple-filled one. Oh, yeah, maybe it's that one with the sugar on. That one might have red in the middle, in which case that's just a yucky donut. Yeah, I like that's the yucky donut. I like the apple cinnamon one. Right, but the the one in the center there, if it's got yellow, if it's got anything red, strawberry, raspberry, whatever. By the way, while we're admiring donuts here, if you have questions about what we've covered today, now's the time to throw them in there. Yeah, because this is us stalling before we quit early. Or you could even call if. If you're on our list, if you're not on our list, you, you know, want to call and you've been See, in now, there. That chocolate donut is the one you give to BB. Yes. Either one of those. Yeah. And then the donut up there. There's a couple donuts in the, there. The, just the plain cake donut. That's the one you dunk in coffee. <laughs> I want the one on the right with the sprinkles. <laughs> you want the pink one or the white one? You can't have the white one, Aaron. You can have the pink one. All right for you to have the pink one. You can't have the white one. And then it looks like a blueberry donut. That's a yucky donut, too. They, they put two yucky donuts next to each other. What comes up must come down. Spinning wheels going around and around. Yep. <laughs> next time, donut, donut pizza. pizza. Donut pizza. Yes. Donut pizza. <laughs> John Deere 8000 is the hero for today. We're going we're gonna to have to figure that out. Because like that one up there in the left-hand corner, that crawler thing, that's what happens when you cross a pastry with a donut. Mm, yum. <laughs> It could be, Jason. We don't know if that's a cream-filled donut or not. If it's cream, it's okay. If it's lemon-filled, it's okay. But if there's anything else in there, yeah, see, Aaron, if that's a jelly donut, that's a yucky donut. That's acquired taste donut right next to the blueberry donut. Y'all didn't realize that we're talking about the conspiracy of donuts, right? Bottom right is his favorite. You got to fight Charlie for that one, Jason. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you got to fight me, yep. I've noticed nobody wants to claim the bottom left one just a plain glazed donut, so I'll eat that one, too. And then the powdered one. I'll eat that. I, I'm just, yeah, I'll eat everything yeah, but the two yucky ones, donut. man. Yeah. The two, because I think the upper right hand corner is pumpkin spice in honor of my shirt today, because it's yes. pumpkin spice everything. Yes, you have one in your. All right, I'll uh, let you have the powdered one. You may have already on. eaten it, but there is one in your. Thing no, I saved that for BB. Okay. I, I, those All three right. donuts are still for BB. Okay. So. At least, yeah. At least. So if I don't share donuts me, with my wife, yeah, I might not be able to come there. back to the next class. Yes, exactly. So uh, that's why yeah. I put some in there for BB. So See, don't look, folks. If you're new to the show, oh, Jason likes. We're all about. Well, he can too. he can have the so. one with the white icing. I'm saving the top one there, right above mine for BB. So you know, we're all about donuts here. I wonder. Hey, maybe we can get Dunkin' Donuts as a sponsor. <laughs> yeah hey, work dunk, on if you can get donuts if you're out there yeah. we're advertising for you so uh, give us some money <laughs> ray wants the bottom left okay ray can bottom, have that okay, one ray, ray can have that it. one and, and john deere yeah you're gonna get bored and extra credit if you come up with a pizza donut oh yeah yeah john deere yeah, where does the anakai fit into all of this ah okay time real oh, good question oh, good question all yes. right they uh put that back up there where was that comment at all right where does the Anunnaki or whatever, uh, those are your fallen angels. Yep. What you're looking at tank. there, what you're, yeah, they came from the fish tank. What you're looking at there is a mythology of the watchers from the Enoch story. That's just the Babylonian version of the watcher story. 
See, this is the thing about mythology. Mythology has its roots in something that actually happened. So if you're going to accept the Bible's argument, then the watchers came down, the fallen angels, they came down, they mated with women, they created the giants. By the way, Babylonian and Canaanite creation stories have giants. Gilgamesh is a giant. So is um, uh, Nimrod. And in fact, they think Nimrod and Gilgamesh are the same guy. But that's a different story. So what you're going to have is different variations of the same story. So you're going to have different variations of the same creation story, different variations of the flood story, different. You're going to have different variations of things like the chaos monster and the dragon. And lo and behold, you do. Every civilization known to man has some sense of the flood and the dragon, which would be the, the flood of the Bible and the dragon representing Satan and evil. Every culture that I am aware of as a sociologist, everyone, even in anthropology, go all the way back in time, have these ideas. So the Anunnaki, just think Watcher, Azazel, and some of those other you know uh, Watchers names. That's all they are. And the if you look into this, you're going to find out that these guys here, the Anunnaki, they do the exact same things that the Watchers do in Enoch. They teach man about war and astrology and all this other stuff. They give man the hidden knowledge, which is exactly what the Watchers do. Only if the ideas in, in uh, Enoch, the first Enochian material, are correct, it the storyline predates the Anunnaki. So... Don't get caught up in the idea, well, the Bible was written later, so it's got to be borrowing from these other people. No, 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 no. The Bible is restating what it was already known and lost to myth. It's putting it back right again, which is why Muhammad and Joseph Smith and so many other people come along and parrot the pattern of the Bible because Satan is a mimic. See? Got you there, brother. All explained nice, neat, and tidy for you. Doesn't mean it's the way you you have to accept but it fits into the paradigm I've been painting for you. Why is the book of Enoch frowned upon? Because it goes against sound scripture. It contradicts the Pentateuch, the books of Moses. Um, it's not Bible. It's not scripture. It's not inspired scripture. That does not mean that the thinking and the ideas in it are necessarily to be dismissed. Because when, when Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, to his audience, they went straight to the Enochian material. They didn't go to the story of the flood. They went to the Enochian material because that was a big deal in his day and age. And it's referenced in the New Testament, alluded to, never quoted, but alluded to. And it was in the canon of the Ethiopian church from the beginning. And it just barely missed out of the canon on the Eastern Byzantine church as well. Uh, did the Anunnaki and the Watchers mate with humans? The Bible says they did, and they'd be the same thing. Think uh, Anunnaki and the Watchers. Think um, Greek uh, gods versus uh, uh, Roman gods. The Romans just gave the Greek gods Roman names. They're the same gods. Zeus and Apollo, same person, just different names. Anunnaki, different word for Watcher. So you're talking about the same critters here. And according to the Bible, in the book of the giants, which is part of the Enochian material, yes, they did. Now, people will tell you there's no evidence of the giants. <clears throat> Just go ask the Smithsonian what they've done with all of it. It keeps yeah. getting sent there and it keeps disappearing. There have been plenty of evidence of giants. 
Now, these people who say these giants were three and four and 500 feet tall, now those folks are whack-a-doodle. The Bible tells you that the Nephilim were somewhere in the neighborhood of between six and 13, 14 feet tall, which is exactly the skeletons that we have found over time. Usually they're somewhere in the neighborhood of um, seven to 11, 12 feet tall. And you have people walking around the earth today that are approaching the lower end of that spectrum. The giants are also associated with double row of teeth and six digits, six fingers and six toes. Coincidentally, you will find that in humans as well. Which is because the Nephilim were never fully eradicated. Which is why God actually told the Israelites to wipe out everybody in Canaan. Because that was the last of the Nephilim blood. So when people says, God is evil. All he was trying to do was wipe out the unnatural bloodlines that had mixed into the human bloodline. He had told the Israelites, be my hand and go get rid of these perversions, these abominations. They neither belong to the bubble world nor to the fish tank world. They don't belong in either one. Go get rid of them. And the Israelites didn't do that. And hence, you've got that mess running around in the world still today. Oprah Winfrey has six toes. Go look it up. You'll see it. Is it possible that seat seat fit too in some way? Consider they're made of strings or is it that the firefly from a different group? That's nah, a firefly from a different group there, I think. Uh, seat seat is just a material um, reminder. Like, I can't remember what the name of it is, but there's a little plaque I have on my door. It's it's an Orthodox Jewish tradition that comes from bind my words to your gateposts. Masusa. Yeah, it's on my door. And you don't hang it straight up and down. You do it on a slight angle to prove that you're not perfect. And inside the Masusa is a copy of the Ten Commandments. And it's just to remind me as I go out my front door every day, keep God's keep God's teachings. And if you were in an ancient Hebrewite, you know, Orthodox believer and he had gates of some point, you'd probably see one of those on his gate post. Or if you were living in the city, what they would do is they would build their houses like in a C shape. And then there'd be a gate with a there's a little square in the middle, like a garden. That's where you basically lived because your houses were just rooms to sleep in. So it was a communal, kind of like Japanese. The Japanese, um, traditional Japanese houses where they have different houses for different members of the family. Very, very, very similar to the ancient Hebrew. But as you go out the gate into the street, the mezuzah would be sitting on the gate. Just to remind you, it's it's a form of a, of a tzitzi. So... What else we got here today, folks? I don't mind doing this. You don't get me to just question and answer very often. I don't mind fielding anything. Um, don't want to disappear on you too early today. We do that a little too often. When I run out of things to talk about, most days, I'll shut up and get so I don't get myself in trouble. Today, I don't have any inklings to go crazy on y'all today. So that's why I'm sticking around looking to see if we have any more questions on the board. We're going to have to talk about mythology yeah, one of these days. Ones. Is uh, that the same as the Akhenaten of the Egyptian king? Might be. I haven't looked into that. Um, but you need to, th what you need to have is a, some rough idea of the Watcher's story. And you don't have to read the whole Enochian material, but you need to have a rough idea. Um, okay. Where does Enoch echo el else in the world? Enoch is in, in the book of Enoch, he is said to go to the watchers call him. They, he goes down to the underworld and they ask him, Hey, go up to heaven and talk to Yahweh and see if he'll forgive us be an intermediary. So Enoch goes up to Yahweh and Yahweh says, no. So, you know, Enoch goes back down and tells the watchers ain't going to happen. 
this is very similar to Muhammad's night night vision or dream or whatever, where he rides the Barak to uh, Jerusalem and then he goes up to heaven and he's trying to negotiate for the people on earth. That same that that same vision there is going on. So what's happening there? If you're going to look at this biblically, spiritually, what's happening there is Enochian material is giving you a rough idea, a, a general idea that's an, in aligned with the Bible. But then Satan comes along and says, oh, that kind of works real cool. Let's throw that at Moses. I mean, uh, not Moses, Muhammad, excuse me. And the reason I got that confused is Muhammad is the Islamic view of Moses. They're, they're parallel figures here. So Satan pitches this at Muhammad. Muhammad runs with it. And then either Satan or one of his lieutenants or whatever, one of these unclean demons, he goes, hey, that kind of worked, but not quite. Let's polish this up a little bit and throw it at this guy, Joseph Smith. Because when you study the foundations of Islam and Mormonism, Charlie's over there shaking his head, yes, there's a lot of parallels. Not exact match for match, but parallels. It rhymes and, and it, it, it repeats in pattern. Well, that pattern is roughly equivalent to the story of Enoch in the Fallen Watchers. That's myth. What happens is that this is divine council worldview stuff. The, the bad angels take what happens in reality, twist it, and then they give it to their servants here on earth. And this is where you come up with the different myths and why the myths always seem to be very similar in nature, but just tweaked to specific people groups. John Deere 8000. So what are fallen angels? Watchers? Yes. You'll find that in the book of Daniel. Watchers are not necessarily fallen. Watchers is another name for angels. But all of the fallen angels are watchers. So it, demons come from the spirits of the, the giants, the Nephilim. It, it, that's it also Enochian material. When the flood comes and drowns them, they neither belong to Sheol because they're not human, nor to, you know, they don't go to the waiting gate of Shoal, which would be Shoal would be in the fish tank universe. They don't go there and then they don't go to heaven and, and they don't stay on earth. They, they kind of don't belong anywhere. So they haunt the world. They haunt the world. If I'm not mistaken, you only find de- the, the Hebrew word for demon twice in the Tanakh in the old Testament. Both times. I think it's in uh, Isaiah or Ezekiel talking about the demons that haunt uh, the area that is now Babylon. But demonology and demons don't seem to show up until the intertestimonial period with the rise of the Enochian material. Um, Enoch is not scripture. Nothing in the intertestimonial period is scripture because the prophets were sealed. But that doesn't mean that the spirit wasn't talking to Yahweh's people and the ideas were coming from wherever. They, we also have to remember they're a lot closer to this stuff and they, they're writing in the intertestimonial period where the oral traditions are still alive. And if you start reading in the Talmud and the rabbinical writings, you're going to find a lot of the Enochian thinking goes way back, Jack. It goes back into Tanakh times. It just wasn't scripture. Uh, you'll find it in the Jubilees and Jasher too. Whether or not the current books of Jubilee and Jasher are apocrypha or pseudepigrapha, I don't know. Meaning that, that they could have been recreations, not the original copies. Yeah, don't watch know. the show next week. Yes. Because we get both of those copies out of the Ethiopian, Ethiopian Coptic Church or Ethiopian Church, rather. Um, <laughs> so the Earth was populated by extraterrestrials with humans. You can look at it that way. Yes, actually, you can. If you want to look at it secularly, yes. But it just happens to be that these extraterrestrials are 
created spiritual beings from the biblical point of view. And I know secularists, if you are Carl Sagan, you come along and say, see, those angels are just aliens. What did I tell you about perspective? You can look at both. You can look at this both ways and come up with it either way you want. The problem is if you're Carl Sagan, I'm going to start pitching questions at you that sooner or later you have no answer for without creating something that contradicts something you told me earlier. If I go with the biblical worldview, easy peasy. I'm never going to contradict myself. It'll fit into the puzzle fine. So for a logistician like Joe, I'm sticking with the biblical view because it doesn't have contradictions. Contradictions make my head hurt. So it depend, depends here on what your definition of extraterrestrials are. Remember what I told you, an alien could be nothing more than an angel. Right. By definition, So extraterrestrial if, if, means you're not part of the earth. Yeah, you, you may not be part of the bubble, but you're part of the aquarium. Yes. So the fish tank. Yeah, the fish tank. Do all of the teachings apply through all of the creations? Hmm. You mean Torah teachings, John? Um, yes and no. The if the, if if I'm assuming correctly, if that's what you mean, do all yeah, of the teachings of the scripture apply through all of creation? Oh no, this is an easy one. Yes, they do, but no, they don't. They do apply through all epochs of time. How they apply changes because that's dealing with covenant. So it's like, um, honor your parents. This is something that every, I, I did a study on this when I was in my sociology school. I actually dug into this. It was an anthropologist, female anthropologist. She looked into this and she studied something like 3,000 known cultures going back in time, way back as far as she could go, back to Shmer, 4,000, 4,500 BC. Every known culture honors the dead and their parents in some way. Let's just honor the dead. That one's even better. Honoring the dead. Every culture does this. Some cultures bury them. Some cultures burn them. Some cultures set them up on pedestals to rot and go back into the elements. Some cultures eat their dead. So when on surface, when people looked at it, they said, look, there's no moral law there. But when it was studied, that is how the culture honored their dead. So the concept of honoring the dead was there. That's how the teaching throughout all times is constant. How it's done is different. Um, you mean the teachings across aliens and other worlds? If you're going to look at this biblically, yes, the aliens are under the same, the, in, the aliens in this case would be angels. They're under the same Torah of God, Yahweh, the creator, as we are. Yes. So that would apply to them as well. If you want to look at this as Carl Sagan, <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's no such thing as right and wrong to him. If there's no God, there's no right and wrong, only what you can impose. You're in the world of, of uh, Thomas Hobbes, which is ultimately chaos. So there's really no answer to that one. Literally, there's no philosophically, there's no answer to that question because the concept of law or teaching is irrelevant if there's not a creator. There's only what can be enforced on, on others. And then, yeah, if you can whoop up on the aliens, sure, you can make them do what you want. But if they're real aliens from, you know, a ET from another planet and they come here, I'm pretty sure they can whoop up on us, in which case right and wrong will be whatever the heck they tell us to be. And according to Hollywood, that pretty much means we're food. <laughs> what else do we have out there? Okay, so in case you haven't already figured this out, 
high reject Carl Sagan and the and the ancient alien guy, especially the ancient alien guy. He doesn't understand how to do proper uh, archaeology or linguistics work. Neither did Carl Sagan. They look at some of the things that are in the archaeological, like, okay, yeah, the Holy Bible, <laughs> the Holy Science. I look at uh, carbon dating. Carbon dating tells me it's this old. N no, it doesn't. The guy who created carbon dating told you it doesn't work. So, well, why wouldn't it work? Well, because carbon in the atmosphere has to be in a state of equilibrium before it can work. That won't happen until the earth was at least 24,000 years old. Carbon isn't at equilibrium in the universe, in the atmosphere. Er, oh, wait a minute. Young earth? Yes, exactly what he was telling you. So why do we use carbon dating? Mm, because science has decided they're going to use carbon dating, whether they know it works or not. They don't care. So how do you know this is right, Joe? Well, they did a dig. I think it was in Australia somewhere, and they came across this, this relic. Oh, look, so ever many years old. And then they kept digging. They come across another relic. Oh, this is going to be even older. And no, it was actually tens of thousands of years younger than the one they had just dug up. So how did the young thing get buried under the old thing in a different layer of earth when you're using carbon dating for both? Yeah. And what does science do with that? Promptly buries it. Just like, you know, the great fossil world, that's the, the, the fossil burial ground that's in um, up in the, the, the Dakotas and all up in that area where they dig up most of the fossils in the world. They know why that happened. That's in a natural depression. That's just where the dinosaurs settled during the flood. Y'all have ever researched that? It's really interesting. You got dinosaurs from the early crustacean period mixing with dinosaurs from another period that was supposed to be millions and millions and millions of years separated. And yet here are their bones all mixed up together. Whoopsie. Hide that too. Oops. Don't pay attention to that. So, yeah. How do I witness the aliens? <laughs> I hope you're being funny now, John Deere. Because <laughs> if you're not, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. Well, first thing you do is you got to have to learn Spanish. And then you're going to find yourself an illegal alien. And you ask them whether or not they already believe in Jesus. And then you can just witness to that alien in Spanish. How's that work? <laughs> you didn't specify which alien. <laughs> so I'm going to go equivocation here on you. Yes, Natasha. What you want to bet we just got a strike on Facebook for that. <laughs> Facebook will never tell us what we got the strike right. for. It'll just give us the strike and move on. That's right. They don't tell you. They don't tell you. We, we removed a document. Why? <laughs> well, we're not going to tell you. It went against our community standards. You had fun today, Road Dog. So did I, man. I was fully donated. All right, guys. Let's start wrapping this one up. We thank you all for being here. Hopefully we found something to amuse you today, if not educate you or expand your world. If not, please see John Deere 8000, get yourself a donut pizza and go find an alien to evangelize. <laughs> if he's got the donut pizza, I'm going with him. I don't care if I'm talking to E.T. or Jose. <laughs> Might even be Ahmed trying to sneak across the border to join the secret jihad. That's going to be a whole different type of evangelizing there for me. <laughs> but okay, you know, might have fun. <laughs> Here, have this piece of unclean pork pizza. <laughs> he said, oh, there's another strike, Natasha. <laughs> so, okay. Hey, look, tomorrow, I think I'm doing the Black Robe Regiment. Pretty sure. 
I don't know how much in detail we'll do Yay! with that, but we will deal with it. We'll at least hit on what it was and the role of, you know, the the Great Awakening and preaching in America and the role of uh, pastors and everything in the foundation of America. And from there, I don't know. Hopefully we got something else, man. It's getting harder and harder to fill two hours every day. Sometimes I just want to ramble, which is what I did today, for better or worse. <laughs> if you like what we're doing. If for no other reason, just tell me and Natasha and Charlie you like it, hit the thumbs up or the rumble up signs. That talks to us. Yeah, yeah, I know most of the time this is tell everybody else what you think. That talks to us. That lets us know we're doing okay with you. So if there's three of you watching us, I hope we get three thumbs up every day. <laughs> Aaron Spikes says he threw a dehydrated port party MRE at a child over in the desert. Yeah, probably ran for his life trying to kill him with that thing. All right, and if you if you think we're doing any good that you want to, uh, you good rambling, Joe, <laughs> reading comments on the board. If we're doing anything that helps you, please share it with your friends and family. Just uh, whatever you got to do to explain to them. Well, you know, Leonard once told somebody that when you're trying to explain Sheldon, the term they like to use is quirky. I don't know what term you're going to use for me, <laughs> but just let them know. You know, it's a wasabi black coffee, definitely acquired taste. Uh, if, if you are financially in a position to do so, and you do want to see the show continue, go to the donut page and set up a $5 a month reoccurring donation to help us keep the lights on. And occasionally we might sneak into the kitty if we have enough money that month and uh, buy a half, a half a dozen donuts and we'll have a day like today. You never know where we're going to go on days like this. Other than that, folks, y'all stay safe. We love you. We thank you for being here, and we will see you tomorrow. Tschüss.